What's up, listeners and supporters of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast? We need some help from you, and it won't take up too much of your time. As we grow, we always want to hear your feedback, so take a minute or two to fill out a short, anonymous survey. The survey link is right in the episode notes for this podcast. It's easy and takes less than five minutes. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Sell podcast episode 181. Dexter Henry Brian Fonseca here. Sure. You, wherever you are, but we thank you for watching. Uh, maybe not a lot to talk about and be as angry about as last week. Not if we're angry, just concerned. But you know, always yeah. stuff going on in the world of sports, world of hip hop, world of politics, uh, things going on. And uh, this weekend, some of you, some of you out there, Chose to do something that I chose not to do. And that was oh. the fight. Okay? Watch the fight. Now, if you know anything about this podcast, you know anything about my co-host Brian Fonseca, he loves a little violence. And for both of us, we don't want to to put it on him. We love boxing. We love the sport of boxing. Brian probably loves combat sports a bit more than I do. So it's fair to say, because Brian's deep in combat sports. You know, he's into the MMA. He's into the wrestling. You know, he's, he's, he's into it all. If you can get hit in the face, he's there. <laughs> so That's a quote. That's a quote to describe me. Holy shit. I like be. it. I like it. Should it should also be a, 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 good, uh, a good T-shirt for you. Yeah. Uh, so there's this Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul fight that was this weekend. And if you watch this podcast, you knew my take on this anyway before. I wasn't watching it. I did not watch it. I did not spend the time watching it. But I did watch people's reactions on Twitter. And what I saw was, why did I watch this? I wish I had my time back. And I'm like, could have told you this. Why would you waste your time? Also, Brian, can we be clear on this? The fight was not a real fight because I saw something come out before the fight about the rules of the fight, which I believe you sent to me. I think you had sent me the rules of the fight. And it was that nobody won, could win or lose? Yeah, there was no decision, no formal decision made. And it was also understood to be an exhibition that didn't count to anybody's record, per se. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? And y'all still watch this? I mean, Why? I mean, so I my excuse is that I wanted to see Badu Jack right before and uh, Luis Arias versus Jared Hurd, which turned out to be a shocking upset. Um, I missed the Chad Ochocinco fight, Chad Johnson fight, which was also on the undercard in which he got knocked down in round four by a bare knuckle boxer uh, while fighting with boxing gloves. And um, there was also the main event, which, you know, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't turn away from it. It was Sunday night and there wasn't really anything else on. So, you Except know. you could. You, you know, could it was what it was. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was, you could. I'm disappointed with myself, too. It's fine. Good. I'm glad you are. I'm glad you are because I'm disappointed in you, in you, Brian. I'm disappointed <laughs> in all of you out there. So uh, somebody else tweeted. I'm forgetting who it was. Be, going, but be more disappointed. Be clear. Me and the homie, Scott Fontana, we were talking about this. Scott Fontana, New York Post. 
we're disappointed in the our fellow combat sports heads who are actually scoring this fight on Twitter round by round analysis, like dead serious, you know, 10 9 this person, 10 9 this person. The, I'm not gonna kill anybody necessarily, but it's Ooh. like we don't even do that for this. Like there there was that going on, including a former um a hard to tell podcast guest I saw doing it. Yeah, we, we don't need that. You know what I'm saying? We don't need that. <laughs> yeah, but, do but, 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 you know, but, but I, I know you're stunned, but look, Luis Arias, minus 1,500 underdog, beat Jared Hurd in the split decision. Like, that was very – Luis Arias, who lost to Danny Jacobs by decision not that long ago, who had two losses, against Jared Hurd, a former multiple-time uh, unified world champion, uh, who then lost to Julian J. Rock Williams not that long ago, unfortunately. So let me also get this clear for the people. You watched undercards where there were actual stakes. There were mm-hmm. actual stakes only to lead to a main event that was an exhibition. Yes. So here's the thing. I actually think so I'm gonna this is the serious part of what I'm going to say, right? There's seriousness in, around this. <laughs> There's no serious. Uh, let me say this quickly about the fight itself before I get sure, into my Sure, no, please go ahead. Um, you know, it was bad, and Floyd Mayweather was obviously just—he had hair. I'm not scoring seriously a fight where Floyd Mayweather answers with hair. Okay. Well, t- but tell me why it was bad because I didn't watch. I didn't watch a highlight. I didn't watch anything. No, uh, why was this bad? It's like you know. Uh, not bad, but it was like it was what it was what what it was expected to be, at least from my end. Like I expected Floyd to just try not to get hit and not to be made look stupid by Logan Paul, but I expected him to, you know, carry him into the eighth round, which he subsequently did. Logan Paul, um, you know, he he's not he's not gonna hit Floyd Mayweather. He might have hit him like twice, like Floyd Mayweather outboxed him and did what he did. Like, there's no need to like actually get into the actual boxing part of it. And there's then Jake all, there's Paul, also no, there's then, also no need to watch this. But and then it. and then Jake Paul on Twitter tweets out that, "Oh, my brother just defeated Floyd Mayweather." And then to which I quote tweeted and said, "This is how you know uh, we had the election fallout that we did because somebody clearly lost, somebody clearly won, and then a whole bunch of people think that the person who clearly lost won, and uh, that's how we are uh, where we are today as a country." Funny because I was just on a podcast talking about how all these things are connected, which you know, and then and then arrived to Doggo Heights. Um. So anyway, in terms of the in actual now, people in stores now, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely do uh, do that and support that. So then I could, uh, you know, do that for a living. Anyway, so basically, like, the serious part of this is that this is not going away in terms of the celebrity boxing and spectacle and all this. I think Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter are still supposed to happen at some point. Um, Jake Paul's going to fight Tyron Woodley, and Tyron Woodley could actually kill him. So uh, that's going to be interesting. And I think that's actually going to be on Showtime, too. But we'll see about that. Um Showtime, who actually had last last night's fight, not not Triller. So we'll see what happens there. Now, I think this is something that's not going away. And at this point, it's like, I mean, I'm kind of just embracing it for what it is because it's just not going away. And I do think that while I don't like it, obviously from a purity standpoint, I do think that there's a way that boxing could capitalize on this. And that being 
sort of the model that you saw last night and sort of what you've seen on some other cards, though there needs to be more of it, is having actual fights on the undercard of these bigger, you know, celebrity boxing exchanges or whatever, instead of just filling it out with celebrities. Like maybe that's the way for people to get a pay-per-view gate and for revenue to generate and things of that nature. And for the boxers themselves, the actual ones to make more money. I feel like it's a fair thing to sort of raise. And it really in totality, and I had just said this on another show that's probably going to be out today. Shout out to the homie, John Perez is that, uh, the real way for like boxing to sort of heal is not, it doesn't really have to do with celebrity boxing uh, as much as it's what we've talked about the executives and the people in power, you know, needing to make the fights that people actually want to see. And then there's a media element of this as well. For instance, this is what gets covered Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul. If I'm looking at all the other outlets covering this, and there are a lot of them, probably 1% of them are mentioning, mentioning Badu Jack's knockout victory over an undefeated fighter and Luis Arias's upset victory over Jared Hurd by split decision, which is remarkable that he, you know, didn't get jobbed out in that. He probably earned a unanimous decision. The thing is, Boxing's issue is that the coverage that it gets, it really stems from that. The legacy outlets or the big-time outlets, they just cover it in a very simplistic way. What are the big fights? Boom, 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 here's your coverage. And then other than that, it's just boxing-specific outlets or combat sports-specific outlets. And that they're going to be there with niche audiences. You know, I'm going to be there and things of that nature. But it's like, how does a sport really progress Media outlets have to have the balls to go out and actually cover boxing because, and the reason why you do this, there are a lot of excellent stories within the sport behind a lot of these fighters that we can learn about and be inspired by and tell in a way that is unique to other sports in boxing and in MMA in particular. Like combat sport athletes, you're not you're not surrounded by a lot of people with master's degrees in that world. Like these are people who really had to get out the mud, and we could really learn a lot from the men and women who participate in these sports. But if the media outlets don't have the balls to go and find these stories because they're so worried about advertising and they're so worried about clicks and getting hits and not actually trying to push the envelope and grow as an industry and actually go out and find long form stories and short form stories that we can really benefit out of by consuming and they're just going to do the same rudimentary bullshit. Let me find this clip. Let me find this, you know, thing that'll get hits and posts here. Let me write this quick thing about Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul, because it's going to get hits Then boxing is not going to grow also. So the media, I also put at fault for this because there are a lot of outlets who aren't up here and who aren't here that are in the middle who could actually take advantage of covering some of the fighters and telling some of these stories, um, you know, that some of us have done over the years at various points. So while, while I agree with all that, I do, I really do. And I think those are great points. I, I mean, I put a large amount of the blame and I do think blame should go on the media. I do think we also, you also brought up the larger point in boxing and not giving you the fights that you want. And now we are also fed this bullshit. I'm going to call it what it is. Bullshit fights. Exhibitions is the main event. Like just the, that's nonsense. It's like actually nonsense. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's literally 
nonsense. It's a, it's a reflection of what the world has become today. I mean, it oh, is what it is at this but point. But the reflection that goes is like, people, you don't have to watch this. I saw somebody tweet and say, yeah, this, this has got to stop. You know how it stops? Don't watch it. You <laughs> knew it wasn't going to be good. Literally, you that's it. You knew it was Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul. You have to watch it. And here's the thing. Mayweather knows what he's doing. Mayweather's been doing this for a lot of times. He wants to keep his name around in the limelight. And so he gets he gets a white guy who's got some promo to being a YouTube star. And there's all this racially charged stuff leading up to it before. And you remember, what was it, the little presser, Brian? Not a presser, a little the weigh-in where, like, Logan Paul tried to smack him in his face. And everybody knows in a real in a real situation, if Logan Paul tried to hit Mayweather or take his hat or whatever he did. That was Jake, he, I think. It was Jake? Okay. Yeah. One of them Paul dudes <laughs> that, can't, that can't really fight. They... They're going to do that, and you know what's going to happen. It's all racially charged. There's a lot of people in this country. Look, there's a lot of black people that like seeing Mayweather succeed, and there's a lot of people that don't look like myself and Floyd Mayweather that want to see him lose very badly, very, very badly. So I understand those people are going to get behind Logan Paul. They'll take any chance they can get to see Mayweather lose. I understand that. But it's like, Y'all aren't really here for the boxing, and my concern, we talked to Mark Raimondi when he had him on here about this, is I'm concerned about how it hurts the actual people in the sport and around the sport that want to be great and want the promotion and all that other stuff, and we're out here watching Amateur Hour. What's, what, what are we doing? It's Amateur Hour. Like, there was never any doubt, like Brian said, that Logan Paul could win this fight at all whatsoever. So, it's like... Like, we just don't have to watch stuff because they give it to us, because they say, hey, here's a fight. No. And what I chose to do is I'm not watching any of this nonsense. Y'all want to be out here and watch it? Some people want to accept it? Not me. Sorry. Call me old school on it? Nah. Not out here watching. I'm not out here watching the pros fight the bumps. Because what's next? Y'all going to ask to see the 2021 NBA champion go into a YMCA and play some men over 40? Why, why not? Why not? It's the same thing. Why, why, why not? You know, who, when has it ever been good to be like pros going against bums? And now we're making pros versus bums the main event. Shame the on you. The last, thing, the last thing I will say, the absolute last thing I will say on this in particular is that the fight wasn't actually the most absurd thing of the night. The most absurd thing of the night was uh, Logan Paul's introduction. If you've been following along some world news, Logan Paul, now a resident of Puerto Rico, and he lives in Dorado, Puerto Rico, and was introduced as fighting out of Puerto Rico. And uh, a lot of people, such as myself, took exception to that. Let's stop that shit right now. Apparently, he's already in trouble with the government out there because of some things that they've done, uh, those fucking colonizers, so... Yeah, well, uh, I mean, he, he, he's, he's, if he's living and he's training there, he is fighting out of Puerto Rico. Now, did he come out draped in the Puerto Rican flag? No. Okay. Because then I feel like Just that introduce him from his hometown and don't introduce where he's fucking fighting out of, especially if it's a place that, you know, he's not necessarily or at least shouldn't be welcome and is only living there for uh, tax purposes. I'm not, look, I ain't saying that you should feel the kind of way about it or nothing like that. I'm not going to speak on it because I'm not Puerto Rican. But, I mean, I don't have to be Puerto Rican to know colonizing uh, gentrificational impacts. I, I, right. I'm aware of that. However, right. uh, it seems, uh, I will say that to that, it seems a little convenient for him to do it at the time and doing all that and playing in that. And it's just like, mm -hmm. come on, bro. You ain't down with the culture. Because he came out with the flag. 
I'm not saying that I would have done this, but I could see if some of your people, Brian, might have wanted to riot and rip the flag from Logan Paul. I wouldn't understand it. It, it would have been a great wrestling move. I mean, Bernard Hopkins once, you know, picked his nose with the Puerto Rican flag, and then he TKO'd Felix Trinidad right after that. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I would just say that, um, you know, yeah, we, we could Logan, – Logan Paul doing that and Bernard Hopkins doing that, two different things because Bernard Hopkins was obviously just trying to piss off his forthcoming opponent. Logan Paul is just uh, – in turn, I guess, effectively representing a place that he doesn't actually represent. And I just want to make that clear. He's trying to be down with y'all. Really, really, really trying to be down. We don't need him. (laughs) NBA, we are in the second round, Brian, already. NBA playoffs moving rather quickly. We are in the second round. There's some interesting second-round matchups. Some we thought, uh, there's there's teams I thought would be here. There's teams I thought wouldn't make it here. And they got there. Uh, we have no Lakers. The Clippers are here after being down 2-0. Unbelievably, the Clippers did not clip. Uh, we got the Hawks here after beating the Knicks. Uh, and the Hawks up. By the time you hear this, there'll be one game in the series. Our producer Greg, Hawks in six. That is the motto for him. Uh, what do you think? You got the Jazz uh, going against the Clippers. We got the Nuggets uh, going up against the – who are the Nuggets playing again? Whatever. Oh, the Suns. Suns. Almost forgot. It wasn't too long ago. Phoenix had knocked off the knocked off the Lakers, which was a little shocking to me. I thought a uh, propaganda season was going to last a little bit longer. Uh, word to our boy Gerard, that didn't happen. And you also got the Nets and the Bucks. So a lot of interesting series uh, going on. What, which ones? What do you want to look? Which series do you want to look at or, or talk about here? I'll just briefly say, like, I'm not going crazy over Game Ones. In general, because I've learned my lesson. Like we've seen, we've seen series where, like the Heat and the Oklahoma City Thunder many years ago, mm-hmm. where the Heat lost Game One and then swept the rest of the series. Like we've seen a bunch of those where Game One, as I tweeted out during the weekend, is usually where the weird shit happens. That being said, um, you know Atlanta did their thing, but I still think Philly's gonna be okay and win that. Nets Bucks, we'll see. Um, and the Western Conference is. That's where I'm having the most difficulty sort of picking it, right? Because to me, Nets Bucks winner, they're going to the finals, whoever wins that series. Um, Suns Nuggets. Mm-hmm. The thing with Denver is that with Nikola Jokic in particular, he's really the only guy who played deep into the bubble who hasn't really felt the effects of it to some degree. The Lakers and Heat both lost in the first round. I think that uh, that's due because due to the quick turnaround again those two teams who played deep into the finals last year and into october had a six to seven week turnaround before having to be in training camp and then preseason and then all those sort of things like no wonder they had injury problems and issues all season and then on top of that a pandemic where jimmy butler lost 12 pounds during the season came back and has one of his best seasons ever like it didn't make any sense um the Boston Celtics had a lot of injury issues coming out of the bubble, which they played into like late September. Um, mm-hmm. Jalen Brown almost made it to the end and he got hurt. Jason Tatum, COVID issues, and he wasn't right for a while. And then he really, you know, went up a level toward the end. And their roster construction compared to the other three teams was the worst. Uh, and the other two teams, in hindsight, probably not ideal either. But, you know, and then with the Lakers with Anthony Davis. But I think that. With Jokic, like, is he just not going to, like, is he not 
going to feel the effects of this because he's won MVP. He's played like pretty much every game. He's playing a lot of minutes, the whole damn team on offense because of what he has to do in terms of setting up himself and others and, you know, carrying them on his shoulders. And they're, you know, Will Barton's still not back yet. Uh, Monte Morris is injured. They're starting Composo and Rivers. And I think Phoenix is built to really give them a series, if not beat them entirely. And I would lean Phoenix because of that. But, man, like, if Jokic is the best player in the series, I don't know. I think yeah. Devin Booker has a great matchup, though, against against uh, Denver. So we'll see about that. Yeah, I think I like Phoenix a lot. I think Phoenix is going to – I think you got to look at some of these teams gaining some confidence. Not saying that Denver can't be confident. I think Phoenix beating the Lakers, um, knocking them off even the way they did in this game six is going to give them a ton of confidence going forward. I know our producer Greg picked them to go to the finals as well. Uh, you can't discount Utah. They had the shaky game one. They came back and took care of business against the Grizzlies. Now they have the Clippers. I think that's going to actually be a hell of a series. I know most people don't care about Utah, and a lot of people probably don't really care about the Clippers, but I do <laughs> think that series is going to be fantastic. And I'm going to actually say this. Watch out for the Clippers, because I think the Clippers, may, in a weird way, you might look back at this, the best thing that could have happened for them was, especially coming off of blowing the 3-1 lead last year, they're down 2-0. They fought back against the Mavericks. I'm intrigued to see what kind of confidence that gives them going against the Jazz. Now, they can't play around with the Jazz like the way they did with the Mavericks. I think that needs to be noted. But I do wonder for that group sort of overcoming something together where everybody was ready to clown on them. They got the memes ready. Everybody was about to be 1-2-3 Cancun on them again. We knew what was going to go down had they lost that game seven. But they overcame it. They won four out of five. They came back and they won the series. You got to give them credit for that. It's going to be interesting what that team could do going forward. I don't think it's very unlikely you see a very competitive Western Conference Finals, whether it's uh, Clippers facing the Nuggets or Clippers facing the Suns. I think it very well could be Clippers and Suns. It, it could be really good, even if it's Jazz Suns, which I'm not sure the NBA wants either. Uh, but that could be very interesting going on. You talked about the East, Brian. I agree with you. I think in the East, Milwaukee-Brooklyn winner absolutely is going to the finals there. I think they're actually the two best teams in the East. While I like Philly, I just and I have concerns with Embiid and his injury with the meniscus. We saw him playing game one. However, I'm still concerned about that. Every time, every time he fell in game one, I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know. Even when, he came, even when he came out with your boy Triple H, you know, doing the intro and stuff. I'm like, mm, take it easy, Joel. I know you're telling the crowd to suck it, and we like all that. You know, we, we like it. With the, I, I liked what he was doing. I liked the energy he was bringing, pumping up the Philly fans. You want him to take it easy. Look, don't discount the Hawks. Uh, you got to watch for the Hawks. I'm not going to go crazy over game one, but I think the Hawks can give them trouble. But I think the thing we saw in game one was the Sixers defense was able to trap and pressure them. So it'll be interesting to see. I think all these series are interesting. The last eight teams left. I think they're all fascinating in a way in how they can go. But that Brooklyn-Milwaukee, that's going to be, I think, a really good chess match. You know, Michael Grady was talking to me on the NBA Exchange about that, and he said this is going to be a really good chess match, especially now with Harden out. Don't know how long he's going to be out, folks. That's going to be interesting. But the Bucks can defend. Uh, Brian and I are picks and pops. I think we were the ones that picked the Bucks to win the series. Yep. Uh, the Bucks can defend. 
they can give the Nets problems. I don't expect them to shoot as badly as they did in the opening game. That, these series are all interesting. I think this is a really intriguing final eight. And since this is dropping. NBA. Hopefully, hopefully we get some game sevens because we only had one in the first round. And since this is dropping Tuesday, we'll note that we're recording this before Bucks Nets games two. So if the Nets uh, blow the Bucks out for whatever reason game two, then, you know, whatever. I mean, look, the home team would still have won the first two games, so I wouldn't freak out about that either necessarily. Right. Uh, my, my last thing I would say on this is uh, Clippers-Utah. I do agree that that was good for the Clippers to sort of get through that. And for me, it reinstilled confidence that I have in Kawhi and just sort of reminded me because there are times where he hasn't quite felt like himself, but he's had an under-the-radar, like, really good season. And in particularly these last two games, we're reminded of, like, why people were sort of toying with the idea that he was the best player in the world following that 2019 NBA championship, even though in the semifinals, uh, if a ball bounced the wrong way, we wouldn't have said such a thing. And, you know, that's just sort of how sports is, I guess, because that's how people uh, react to things. But anyway, yeah, I think that he's the best player in that Utah series. I'm not overlooking Utah necessarily, but I've been saying all year long that the Utah Jazz are a team that's primed to be very good in the regular season and lose in round two. Mm-hmm. Clippers, and, you- Clippers and six. You've been saying this all season long. I'm not shocked. I had a feeling you were going to pick the Clippers. I'm also going to pick them, too, because I do think there's something to them getting momentum off of this first-round win and these guys gaining confidence. Uh, and, and Suns I, in seven, also. Suns in seven. Yeah. God, the Suns. I'm going to say start, Suns. Does that start tonight also? That does. That does. Okay. I'm so well, after, when this podcast drops, we'll we'll have it'll be a one zero somebody. But I'm going to lean Suns because I think f- Jokic has to be tired. Of, has to get tired at some point. And DeAndre Ayton is not going to lock him up. But goddamn, he's going to make him work. Yeah, he's going to make think, him work very hard. Well, if DeAndre Ayton plays like he did against the Suns, he will yeah. make him work. I'll be the Lakers. Lakers, Excuse me. Yeah. He will make him work very hard. I like the Suns in that series. I'm going to actually go Suns in six. I'm going to go with the Suns. Mm-hmm. Suns in six in that series. I'm, I'm Bucks and seven, I already set on picks and props. And the, the, the Sixers-Hawks series, that's the one where I'm like, I, I, I don't know because because yeah. uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Sixers and seven, but I, I, I don't like – My pick was Sixers and five, and I'm sticking with it. I don't care. Sticking with it, Sixers and five. I, I, I just – because I could, I could totally see, especially toward the end where you saw the collapse – and the Sixers, like I feel like they figured something out. So we'll see. I don't. I like my pick was five. I'll stick with it. But if I'm being honest, I don't really think it's only going to be five games uh, at that point. I will say that. But I still think yeah. the Sixers are going to win the series. But um, the uh, Suns and Nuggets. I think that there's a world where Jokic isn't quite Jokic, and that becomes a five game series in favor of Phoenix because he's he's worn down or whatever, and it finally or- catches up to him. Or, or, and also just too many injuries, and the Suns just have more than they do, and that, especially in the backcourt. And you talked about it being a good matchup for Booker, and I, I could see that. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting more on the Suns to the finals train with Greg. I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit more on that. Before, before we move on from the, pl- the playoffs, I got to ask you this too, Ryan, because we've seen some teams get knocked out recently Portland for one, uh, Dallas the other, and you and I have been talking about some trade possibilities and stuff. Do you see Dame out of Portland? Uh, do you see maybe KP out of Dallas? Ooh, and KP, man, like, like I said to somebody, I'll say he was awful 
in this series, okay? Yeah. His best game was game seven, clearly. Moved well without the ball, played yeah. good, 16 and 11. But if you're going to be a number two in a game seven, you got to give me more than 16 and 11, bro. You can't be coming with the 16 and 11. That's not going to get it done. And something just doesn't look right. I spoke with Greg, our producer, about this earlier. Something don't look right with him and Luca. This is a pairing I thought would be really good. They looked good in the bubble last year before Porzingis got hurt. Remember the first couple of games? I was watching them even in the, the, the lead-up games to the, the actual playoffs. They looked good. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if Porzingis is still hurt, but the Mavs got to make some stuff because they're paying this guy max salary. He has not shown up here in the playoffs once again. He looks lost, sort of disinterested. I don't know what's going on there. Now, the Dame... I, I look, I've, Terry Stotts is out now. They were going to blame somebody. They had to. They probably had to make the change. It's either Dame is going to stay or you got to start talking about Neil O'Shea and the roster construction around him. Because Portland is constructed, doesn't have enough. They probably should have started trying to tear this down two seasons ago, mm. probably. Uh, but they also were coming off the Western Conference Finals, and that probably was full gold and gold, and that's the reason they did not do that. But I think – going to be interesting with Dame to see where he if he moves I should say where I don't know that if he moves who he could be moved for and who might trade for him you know people gonna say the Knicks (laughs) what I Um, what I'll say is is uh like the more I think about it I just don't see Dame being traded because that's really his team like in a way that I don't see the two sides separating at this point Mm-hmm. He wanted Jason Kidd, and Jason Kidd is not going to, you know, he pulled himself out of contention. But I do think that tells you that Damian Lillard is still going to have a say in, you know, who the head coach is, which I think is significant. But what if what if he asked for Jason Kidd, right? And Knowing Jason that Kidd, Kidd said no because they're not sure I thought of that. Or, or no, or that he knew Jason Kidd wasn't going to come there at all. And then he's like, see management, y'all can't even get the guy I really wanted here. So now I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I'm not freaking out about that. But what I'll say is that the more I think about it, the more I just I, I think they're gonna run it back with Damon CJ and just work around them, because ultimately, what is the clear upgrade using CJ McCollum to sort of pair him with somebody? Like, it, it, I was joking around about in the chat, like, oh, you could do a three way deal with Kemba KP. And CJ McCollum, maybe even add a fourth and put in Kevin Love, but who is that helping? That's not helping anybody in that in that trade, no matter who's going where, really, necessarily. So, like, what is the clear upgrade from CJ McCollum? It's either you're trading him for somebody of equal value, and it most likely is going to be a guard, or or you know, if it's KP, like, how much is that? I mean, you think KP and Damian Lillard are going to be best friends automatically, right? And then. There's also plus the injury concerns. And then if you're trading CJ for multiple parts, like how is that helping the team also? Because you're talking about like that comes the Knicks package where it's like, you know, you're going to get what OB and quickly and young dudes. And how is that really going to help Portland if you're keeping Damian Lillard? So the more I think about it, I just think Dame will stay. CJ will stay. And then they just try to work it around them and, you know, get a new coach and sort of, you know, be like, hey, we have these two guys, but we have a new coach. And they obviously know that they have to do something on the interior. So I think that, you know, whether they keep Nurkic or they move Nurkic, I don't know. He's only making 12 million this year and it's expiring. So he's easy to trade. 
And uh, he said this was not the right fit for him after the game, which is memorable. So, no, I don't think there's going to be a trade there. And now we're seeing reports about KP having minimal interest around the league, which I got to say is not something that I was surprised about because I was never really in on KP like uh, a lot of people were. Um, And I thought that the injuries were going to be a concern throughout the rest of his career. And it's not even just that. Apparently, you know, people uh, think that he has a – a freaking attitude problem <laughs> on top of that. And then, you know, he just had a not great playoff series where if he played a little right. bit better, they probably would have won. So I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a very, we're not near the off season, but you know, people are always talking about NBA trades all the time. One time for your mom, one time. One time for your mom, one time. One time for your mind. This week, uh, we didn't really have too much interesting around anything else going on news it wasn't as interesting as last week where we we're talking about a bunch of different things uh including parents and schools and all that nonsense uh this we're going to talk about hip-hop uh we had previewed this in a one time for your mind a few months ago talking about the upcoming dmx uh posthumous album release project exodus dropped time you hear this almost now will be two weeks ago uh, when it dropped. And one of the songs on there was a song called Bath Salts, uh, which featured Jay and Nas on it. Uh, Brian, I know you really enjoyed the, chat, the track. I did as well. Uh, I, th- I think it's a really fun track. Good to see Jay and Nas another song. Second song we've heard them on this year. Um, although I think this one is much better uh, than the other song. Uh, what, what, what did you make of it? What did you make of this track? Why did you like it so much? I think it's one of the, uh, you know, nice, nice joints that we've gotten hip hop this year. We're about halfway done with the year and there's not, uh, much, you know, not much memorable that has come out of this year so far. So that also indicates why we are talking about this in particular, but look, it was much better than what we heard on DJ Khaled joint, which I thought was okay. But I actually thought that Jay-Z and Nas were, um, you know, they were good in that song, all things considered, but I thought the production was a letdown because you could easily see the build for the beat being better than it was. Um, it was pretty anticlimactic when it, you know, quote unquote dropped. And then the hook was boring. And uh, that was a common criticism that we had heard, um, you know, from other people. And I just wanted to echo that. This, though, like when I heard the beat, I was like, oh, this sounds like a a typical like DMX, you know, Rough Riders style beat, right? So it was good to hear him over that. And then with Nas and Jay, Nas notably going for longer. I think he had a 24. I would have to check. Jay only dropped a 16, which I mean, not only because in this era, 12s are normal now. Um, Nas went and had like, I think a 24 and had a really good verse. Jay had a good verse and they both had better verses than they did on the DJ Khaled joint. DMX brought it in and it was like, wow, this is actually one of a, a pleasant, pleasant surprise because I knew they were going to be on it, but I hadn't realized that they were going to be on it together on the same song. It's the most played song that I've seen right now, according to like Spotify, Spotify's analytics. Um, if anybody cares about that shit, and yeah, no, I thought it was a great uh, record that I'm actually you know going to go back to because you know they both, all three guys really sounded good on it, and um, you know Nas especially. There were a couple parts in his verse where I reacted and you know, in a strong way. And then Jay-Z with the every six months I need to do bucket list. With, that was, uh, you know, typical what? older Jay, but I, I, I like it. You know what I mean? I hope to get a, at that stage in my life at some point. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like the song. I like the verse from everybody, like you said. 
Uh, Jay brought it. I like the beat. Sounds like your typical, very stripped down, simple Swizz track, but uh, really good. Definitely, definitely liked what he brought. Loved the energy by all the artists on there, including X. This sounds like this might have been recorded by X at a very earlier period in his career. You can just tell listening to the album, the stuff that he's recently recorded where he was older, his voice sounds a little bit different as opposed to early in his career. So I wonder how long Swizz had been sitting on this Bath Salt song. Seems like it's been a while. But what also was interesting for, about this song and this beat in particular was the fact that uh, Swizz at the last verses Memorial Day weekend with him and Timbaland, he played this track, which didn't I didn't remember it. Would. Didn't remember uh, that until you pointed that out. Yeah, he played this track, and then he also played uh, the J. The, excuse me, the J. Cole. There's a J. Cole verse apparently, and you can go, you can find a video. It's out there where he did not play the whole verse, but it sure sounded great. J. Cole was rapping on this, and I would love to hear this release. Swizz needs to release this. Uh, don't know why or if J. Cole's left off the song. If there's another version with a remix with more people on it, uh, don't know. But J. Cole sounded really good. His verse sounded good on that. Uh, for sure. So I definitely like to hear that. Beat is fire. Energy by the artist is good. Uh, it was nice to see three New York legends rapping on one track. Um, you know, it's good for hip hop. I think, too, I've seen the same. Brian on Apple Music is like the most played song, most popular song off the album. Um, so I think you'll hear that bumping around a lot of places. It's It's a fun single, man. Like, it's a fun song with really a lot of good energy. So you know, it's 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 definitely definitely a good one to enjoy in a year of hip hop that has been slow. But we hope we said this last year. Hopefully, things are heating up more this summer. We have uh, Sky Zoo's album dropping later this week. All the brilliant things. Uh, hopefully, we'll have him on the show very soon to discuss that. Uh, so we we had Lloyd Banks fun. and Peter Rosenberg last week. I saw that, and I I will I, say this: the Peter Rosenberg because I listen to his GP podcast sometimes, which is about wrestling. And uh, he played a verse that Method Man has on that album, which I haven't heard the whole album yet. But I'm not saying it's as good as Lemon. It's a really good Method Man verse, though. <laughs> wow, you got my attention with that. Because I, th- I thought of the Lemon verse because I'm like, he's really doing this shit again. Where it's just killing it the whole entire... I got I heard it a couple times over. Um, that was my that was my verse of the year last year. Yeah, I mean, it, it, method, method Man, boy, woo! This dude, it, like, this is the best he's rapped of his career, and it's a career that's spanned about thirty years. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it, it makes it makes me very intrigued to actually hear a project for him with the focus that he seems to have been having on these features. Just ten of those. Yeah, like, give me give me those, and I, I I actually would be interested to hear it. I have not listened to either of those projects in their entirety, as you said. I did listen to the track with Lloyd and Benny the Butcher and the track with Lloyd and Styles P off his album. But I'm going to just keep it real. I kind of really wasn't like dying to go hear a Lloyd Banks album in 2021. <laughs> the joint with Freddie Gibbs is good, though. I'll say that. Oh, I didn't even know there was a joint with Freddie Gibbs on the album. I didn't yeah, even know is. that. There's a oh, joint with Freddie Gibbs on it. There's a joint with Freddie I, Gibbs and there's another There's another get, Ransom is on it. It's some interesting guests, but I, I didn't finish it because, you know, it's 18 songs. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll check that. I'll check that out at some point. I'll, I'll get to it. All right, but let us know what you think about Bad Salts off the DMX Posthumous album, Exodus. Uh, I did listen to that album in its entirety, and it was, you know, kind of what you expect from a Posthumous album. It was okay. 
that's really all I have to say on that. Not much, uh, not, nothing much other than that. All right, that's it for this episode of the Hotel Podcast, episode 181. Hopefully next week uh, we will have a good guest for you guys and more to talk about in the world of sports and hip-hop. For Brian Fonseca, I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Choo.